Our summaries this week contain two cases on appellate practice, both in the Arkansas Supreme Court. In Corbett v. Pulaski County Jail, 2023, ARC 18, the Arkansas Supreme Court considered the question of whether an attorney who was refused admittance to the Pulaski County District Court with a loaded firearm was entitled to relief for declaratory judgment and for a writ of mandamus, premised upon his interpretation he was an officer of the court. Under ARC Code and Section 573-122B, and could carry a loaded gun in court. The circuit court denied relief, and the Supreme Court affirmed. Chief Justice Kemp explained. Appellate Chris Corbett appeals a Pulaski County Circuit Court order denying his complaint for declaratory judgment and injunctive relief and petition for writ of mandamus, seeking to direct Appellee's Pulaski County Jail, Eric Higgins in his official capacity as Pulaski County Sheriff, and Barry Hyde in his official capacity as Pulaski County Judge to allow Corbett to carry a firearm inside the Pulaski County District Court. For reversal, Corbett argues that the Circuit Court abused its discretion by denying his petition for writ of mandamus because the plain language of Arkansas Code Annotated Section 573-122B allows him to carry a firearm into a courthouse. We affirm. On January 9, 2020, Corbett filed a complaint for declaratory judgment and injunctive relief in the circuit court. He sought a declaration that Act 1087 of 2017, codified at Arkansas Code Annotated Section 573-122B, authorizes attorneys as officers of the court to carry a firearm in any court or courthouse of this state and a declaration that Appellee's actions violated Arkansas law. He also sought to enjoin Appellee's from preventing lawyers from entering a courthouse with a firearm. Appellee's moved to dismiss, challenging Corbett's interpretation of the statute and arguing that it only permits officers of the court to possess a firearm in a courthouse when authorized by the court. On September 29, 2021, Corbett filed a petition for writ of mandamus asking that the court direct the defendants to permit attorneys in court with a firearm as provided by state statute. Appellees responded that mandamus was inappropriate because Corbett had not shown a clear and certain right to the relief sought or the absence of any other adequate legal remedy. Following a hearing, the circuit court entered an order on January 27, 2022, It found that the Pulaski County Jail, as a building, is immune from suit, and it dismissed it as a defendant. It further found that Corbett was not entitled to injunctive relief, declaratory judgment, or a writ of mandamus. It denied both Corbett's complaint for injunctive relief and declaratory judgment and his petition for writ of mandamus. He filed a timely notice of appeal from the circuit court's order, and this appeal followed. Petition for Writ of Mandamus For reversal, Corbett argues that the Circuit Court abused its discretion in refusing to grant his petition for Writ of Mandamus for two reasons. One, because it misinterpreted Arkansas Code Annotated Section 573-122B, which allows officers of the court to possess a handgun in a courthouse, 
and two, because it erred in not following Arkansas Code Annotated Section 16.115.103, which states that a writ of mandamus shall have precedence over all other actions and proceedings. The purpose of a writ of mandamus is to enforce an established right or to enforce the performance of a duty. A writ of mandamus will not lie to control or review matters of discretion and is used to enforce an established right. It is an appropriate remedy when a public officer is called upon to do a plain and specific duty that is required by law and that it requires no exercise of discretion or official judgment. Moreover, a mandamus action is to enforce the performance of a legal right after it has been established, not to establish a right. When requesting a writ of mandamus, the petitioner must show a clear and certain right to the relief sought and the absence of any other adequate remedy. The standard of review in granting or denying a petition for writ of mandamus is whether the circuit court abused its discretion. A circuit court abuses its discretion when it makes a decision that is arbitrary or capricious. Interpretation of Officers of the Court Specifically, with regard to Section 573.122b, Corbett asserts that it allows officers of the court to possess a firearm in the courtroom of any court or courthouse in the state and that the phrase officers of the court means attorneys. Thus, he claims that because he is an attorney, he has a clearly established right to carry a firearm in a courthouse of this state. Arkansas Code Annotated Section 573.122b states, However, a law enforcement officer, either on duty or off duty, officer of the court, bailiff, or other person authorized by the court, is permitted to possess a handgun in the courtroom of any court or a courthouse of this state. Failure to first obtain declaratory relief before seeking a writ of mandamus. Here, in denying mandamus relief, the circuit court found that Corbett failed to show that he had a clear legal right that had been denied. We agree with the circuit court's conclusion. In addition to seeking mandamus, Corbett simultaneously sought to establish his rights under Section 573.122b by filing a complaint for declaratory judgment. This court has stated that a declaratory judgment is a remedy peculiarly appropriate to controversies between private citizens and public officials about the meaning of statutes. Mandamus, however, seeks to enforce a legal right after it has been established, not to establish a right. Corbett should have established his rights pursuant to Section 573.122b before filing his petition for writ of mandamus. He did not do so. Therefore, we see no abuse of discretion in the circuit court's denial of his mandamus petition. End of quote. A partial concurrence in dissent, written by Justice Wood, added, I concur with the majority's decision to affirm the denial of the writ of mandamus, but I disagree with the majority's disposition of the request for declaratory judgment. In my view, appellant sufficiently raised the denial of that relief on appeal and I would squarely address it. Appellate, an attorney, filed his complaint after being refused entry into a courthouse with a handgun. Appellate argued, as an officer of the court, that an Arkansas statute permits his entry while so armed. 
he sought declaratory relief. Here's the relevant language from the controlling statute. A law enforcement officer, either on duty or off duty, officer of the court, bailiff, or other person authorized by the court, is permitted to possess a handgun in the courtroom of any court or a courthouse of this state. Art Code and Section 573-122B. Even the appellees do not contest on appeal that attorneys, such as appellant, are officers of the court. Thus, the General Assembly passed a statute that permits attorneys, as officers of the court, to possess a handgun in a courthouse. End of quote. Another partial concurrence and dissent by Justice Womack and joined by Justice Webb added, Because Chris Corbett had an adequate and alternate remedy available, I agree with the majority's conclusion that a writ of mandamus cannot lie. However, I disagree that Corbett did not sufficiently appeal the denial of his petition for a declaratory judgment. In Corbett's notice of appeal, he explicitly noted that this appeal involves the circuit court order denying the plaintiff's motion for declaratory judgment, injunctive relief, and a writ of mandamus. To be thorough, Corbett again noted that he appeals the circuit court order denying his motions, plural, and that there are no unresolved or abandoned claims. Moreover, a majority of Corbett's briefs address entitlement to a declaratory judgment in his favor. Accordingly, Corbett sufficiently appealed the denial of his motion for declaratory judgment and advanced a convincing argument on appeal for why he was entitled to it. The majority's conclusion otherwise is wrong, and this court should reach the merits of Corbett's claim for declaratory judgment. End of quote. The statutory issue was phrased by the dissent as follows, quote, First, the statute permits four distinct groups of people to carry a handgun in a courthouse. One, a law enforcement officer, either on duty or off duty. Two, an officer of the court. Three, a bailiff. Or four, other person authorized by the court. Art Code and Section 573-122B. Pulaski County's argument that other person authorized by the court modifies the first three groups would render a majority of the statute superfluous. It is not our role to second-guess a substantive policy determination of the General Assembly, which is exactly what Section 573.122b is. Section 573.122b unequivocally allows officers of the court, i.e. attorneys, to carry handguns into courthouses. The General Assembly's decision to vest attorneys, among others, with the ability to carry a handgun in a courthouse is substantive law, not procedural. Thus, not only does Amendment 80 not vest such policymaking with the judiciary, it expressly prohibits the judiciary from acting in areas of substantive rights under the guise of regulating pleading, practice, and procedure. End of quote. End of decision. In Gillette v. City of Fort Smith, 2023, Art 24, the Arkansas Supreme Court reversed and found an illegal sentence by imposing $140 in court costs, where a defendant was arrested for carrying a firearm in a public building, but not convicted. While the district court imposed court cost of $140 and added that there was no conviction and no right to appeal, and the circuit court affirmed, Justice Womack, writing for the majority, disagreed. Quote, 
On August 23, 2021, Gillette timely filed a notice of appeal in the Sebastian County Circuit Court. He attempted to appeal the involuntary imposition of court cost in favor of the city of Fort Smith. On August 25, 2021, Gillette also filed a petition to void a legal district court sentence. On September 3, 2021, the city responded to the notice of appeal with a motion to dismiss, arguing that Gillette had not been convicted of any offense and the circuit court had no jurisdiction to hear the case under Arkansas Rule of Criminal Procedure 36A. On the same day, the city responded to Gillette's petition to void illegal sentence on identical grounds. The circuit court granted the city's motion to dismiss for lack of jurisdiction according to the conviction requirement of Rule 36A. The circuit court did not rule on the motion to void illegal district court sentence. Gillette argues that the district court illegally imposed court costs and probation in violation of his state and federal constitutional procedural due process rights and his federal and state constitutional right to a trial. We agree. Additionally, Gillette claims a violation of the Arkansas Constitution's prohibition against illegal exactions. It is evident here that Gillette's due process rights were violated when the district court imposed a sentence that inflicted both monetary and probationary conditions without a conviction or finding of guilt. While the circuit court correctly determined that it lacked jurisdiction due to the conviction requirement of Rule 36A, it neglected to identify what was a void de facto sentence that the district court had imposed on Gillette. Had it done so, it could have exercised its jurisdiction under Art Code and Section 1690.111, which reads in pertinent part, Any circuit court, upon receipt of petition by the aggrieved party for relief and after the notice of the relief has been served on the prosecuting attorney, may correct an illegal sentence at any time and may correct a sentence imposed in an illegal manner within the time provided in this section for the reduction of sentence. Accordingly, we affirm in part as to the circuit court's order of dismissal of Gillette's appeal from the district court absence of conviction as required by Rule 36A. We reverse and remand in part with instructions for the circuit court to enter an order on the motion to void a legal district court sentence, reversing and dismissing the order of the district court and declaring it to be void as an illegal sentence imposed without a finding of guilt. Next, we decline to address Gillette's illegal exaction claim as part of a criminal appeal as that matter would require separate filing and adjudication in a circuit court with competent jurisdiction and is not properly before us here. End of quote. Chief Justice Kemp, in dissent, wrote, The majority opinion is fundamentally flawed and ignores this court's well-established principles of appellate law and procedure. As set forth in my analysis below, I would dismiss Gillette's appeal for lack of jurisdiction. I respectfully dissent. Lack of Jurisdiction Rule 36A expressly provides that a person convicted of a criminal offense in a district court may appeal the judgment of conviction to the circuit court. Under a plain language interpretation of Rule 36, there can be no appeal if there is no conviction. No adjudication of guilt. This court has stated that Section 54305A1 allows an appeal on two bases. 
one, an allegation of error in the adjudication of guilt, and two, an allegation of error in the entry of the order of suspension or probation. Here, there was no adjudication of guilt, and no order of suspension or probation was entered. Therefore, Section 54305A1 does not apply in this instance. End of quote. A second dissent by Justice Wood reasoned, The majority breaks precedent today. First, the majority agrees that the circuit court lacked jurisdiction to consider Gillette's appeal under Rule 36, but it simultaneously exceeds its own jurisdiction by pronouncing trial error. And second, the majority ignores our precedent that payment of the court cost renders Gillette's illegal sentence claim moot. Therefore, I dissent. Lack of appellate jurisdiction The court unanimously agrees that the circuit court did not have jurisdiction to review Gillette's district court appeal under Rule 36, but the majority then declares that the district court violated Gillette's due process rights and his right to a trial. Yet an allegation of trial error, like a constitutional due process violation, could only be brought under Rule 36. It cannot be brought under Arkansas Code Annotated Section 1690.111. Our precedent clearly states that assertions of trial error and due process claims do not implicate the facial validity of the judgment, and assertions of constitutional error are not cognizable under Section 1690.111. And if these constitutional violations occurred, the remedy would be a trial de novo, not an amended sentence, which Section 1690.111 does not afford. If the majority is overruling our many cases that hold that trial errors, like due process violations, are not cognizable under Section 1690.111a, it should do so expressly, not implicitly. The majority does not have jurisdiction to pronounce such trial errors under Section 1690.111. Mootness Even if Gillette's claims did survive the jurisdictional barrier, his claim under Section 1690.111 is moot because he paid the $140 in court costs. Gillette filed a motion to stay the punishment pending appeal, but after the district court denied that motion, he failed to file an extraordinary writ and opted instead to pay the cost. Gillette's payment of the cost renders the illegal sentence claim moot. End of quote. End of decision.